Consider this. What kind of protocols do you think would be in place if you got to meet the President of the United States or the Queen of England? You know, one like that, you can actually learn how to act. They have documentation on what do you do if you get to meet the Queen of England, if you ever get that chance. Honestly, it's like reading the book of Leviticus. It's do this and don't do this and do all that kind of stuff. There's very few regular people who ever get the chance to do either of these, to meet the power players of our world. And you know what? Jesus invites us, even commands us to approach God's throne with prayer, to have an audience with one who's even more powerful than the president or the Queen of England. And it sounds crazy by our world's standards, as though, you know, we're not even able to meet the president as though that would be a small thing. And we're going to get to have an audience or even a relationship with somebody who's more powerful than him. But that's exactly what Jesus tells us. In this little passage that comes really at the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, he's been knocking, knocking it out of the park with this uh, Grand Slam message. And he says this and the latter part of it, going uh, Matthew 7, verses 7 through 14. They read like this. Ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if a child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Well, consider for a second the immensity of an offer to have an audience with God in prayer. Christians often consider, think about it this way, that our faith, which makes us unique from other uh, faith systems out there, that our faith is a relationship. A relationship with God. Similar, in a way, to a relationship we might have with our spouse or with a friend. There's that interaction, that sort of back and forthness to it. And I'm zeroing in on that part particularly because a relationship requires communication, requires talking. At some point, you have to talk in a relationship. Prayer is our way of getting to do that. It doesn't, it doesn't stop at just talking. But we are offered the opportunity, when it comes to a relationship with God, to go before him with requests, with things that we desire, with things that are on our hearts or people that we want to pray for, that are um, in need or, or suffering in some kind of way. And Jesus even goes beyond just making an offer to do that, but actually commands us. And gives us commands that really are for our own good. As we see in that opening little bit, um, we are, have a command, and these are commands, to pray persistently. We get three commands right from the very start. Ask, seek, knock. Ask and it will be given to you. Search or seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. It's a, like one writer says, the whole idea is like a child who is seeking something from their parent. What do they do? They ask for their parent, Mom, Dad, where are you? And they, if they can't find them right away, they go around the house looking for them. And if there's some kind of barrier between them and their parent, they knock. 
You know, if there's a door or something like that, mom, dad, I need you. I need your help. Something like that. But it goes even further than that. Not just command, being commanded to ask, seek, knock, but ask and keep on asking. Nag God, if you will. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. If you're, I mean, if you're going to pray, do it in a way that says, I mean business. This is what Jesus is asking us to do. Not that it nags God, not that it annoys God, but actually that honors God for a couple of reasons. First, it keeps us in proper relationship with God. We stay rightly and for our own good. We stay dependent on him for answers. And we exercise our faith in expecting answers from God. It keeps, that, it keeps our place right. And as well, here's why it's kind of a blessing to us as well. It makes it easier to recognize those times when God answers prayer. When we're consistently asking, when we are consistently seeking, consistently knocking on God's door. Think about this way. If you pray for something once, you might forget about having prayed for it before you get to see the answer. It, sometimes, you know, God's Answers prayer, yes, but sometimes it's not always on our timetable. And so it might be, let's say, a year after you have started praying for something that you actually get the answer. If you have only done it once, you may forget that you made that prayer when the answer comes. And you miss that connection. We are praying persistently, constantly going to God with our requests. There's better odds that we'll notice the answer. Because let's say it takes a year for an answer to, to happen. If we've been praying constantly and then we see the answer, it's like, oh, I know I've been praying for that because I've been doing it for the last year. Here's a, a little bit of a tip. That one writer says, uh, pray specifically. David Jeremiah says, never pray for something or never pray for anything in such a general way that when your request gets answered, you wouldn't know it. Because sometimes the the blessing, the the cool thing that comes out of prayer is actually getting to see it answered and recognizing it for that. If you want to be aware of what God is doing in the world or in your life, pray persistently and pray specifically. And pray as well. Pray expectantly. Again, prayer is not some magic formula as or special words. It's simply communicating. It's talking. The way, in a similar way, the way we'd talk and grow a relationship with our spouse or with our child or our friends. So here's a little bit of a faith test, if you will. Do you pray fully expecting that God is going to answer your prayers? Now note what I didn't say here because I was very specific about how I asked that question. I didn't say, do you fully expect God to answer your prayers? Yes. Sometimes the answer to our prayer is no. It's still an answer to prayer. And in hindsight, sometimes in our infinite wisdom, we end up recognizing that getting the no as an answer to prayer is the good thing. There have been many times, honestly, that I have prayed for things and God answered no. Just flat out. Now, And had he answered yes to any of them, I probably wouldn't be sitting before this camera now trying to share this message with you. My life may have taken a very, very different path. And it would have gone in a different direction. But God does answer. 
And speaking about the children of God, Jesus promises in verse 8, he says, For everyone who asks receives, everyone who searches finds, everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Now this is, again, not to make God into some genie or some vending machine or some celestial bellhop that just it makes our wishes come true. You know, it's not like insert coin, push button, get your wish. We keep this, we keep every part of what happens in the Bible in context. So we keep this in the context of verse 11, where he says, If you then who know evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Notice my emphasis. Good things. That your Father will give good things to those who ask him. So what defines good things? I'm guessing I would put it, to put it into one or two words, God's wisdom understands what good things are, knows what's good for us. Here's a little bit of a, a context or a 21st century way of, of doing it. If you had a, a child and let's say it was your son coming up on your son's 10th birthday. I just got to celebrate this with my son not too long ago. And your son came to you and they were like, you know what, mom, dad, I've been really, really good. So for my birthday, can I have a pet cobra? I, I really, I really, really want one. Any reasonable parent, any reasonable parent is going to be like, no, not happening. And that's probably exactly how I would say it to my son. It wouldn't be good, right? Even though they are requesting, even though they really, really want it. Even if it means saying no to the request. Wisdom says, no, I'm not giving you a cobra for your 10th birthday. And honestly, I've learned parents who sometimes say no actually know what they're doing. And honestly, I learned that even before I became a parent. When I started to get out of the, my head thinking I knew it all, uh, as you know, I did when I was a teenager, as most teenagers do. But think about it this way. Maybe you've heard of somebody, or maybe, honestly, you've even prayed this yourself, prayed to win the lottery. God, just let me win the lottery and all, you know, I'll never ask you for anything else again. And you know what? We've seen study after study after study of people who get that prayer answered. They win the lottery, however many millions of dollars, and their lives are ruined afterwards. They end up going broke. They end up having their relationships all morphed and changed and, and strained and broken apart. Maybe it's a, I won't make a blanket statement that always happens, but overwhelmingly, there are some people who, if there is a loving God, and I believe there is, and we pray, God, let me win the lottery, a loving God would say, no, it will not turn out well for you. Maybe when God says no to such a prayer, whether it's winning the lottery or asking for a cobra for your birthday or anything else, maybe God knows what God is doing. Now, to be sure, sometimes I don't want to dive you know, too deep down this rabbit hole of God always saying no or something like that. Sometimes God says yes. As John says in one of his writings in 1 John 5, 14, And this is the boldness we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now note the condition to that. Again, we're not talking about a celestial bellhop here. We're talking about a God who works in a context. Note the condition, according to his will. We pray in the Lord's Prayer that we'll have you know, a bit earlier on in the service, thy will be done. That's what we're asking for. Your will be done. 
to put this in context, it's like saying, answer my prayers according to your will. Knowing that that will, that God's will, is good and pleasing and perfect. As Paul tells us in Romans 12. And the cool thing about prayer and God's will is that as our prayer and our faith life matures, and we get to practice this and we kind of get more reps at it and and like a relationship with our spouse, it, you know, the relationship gets stronger as we are practicing this kind of thing. Our will and God's will start to get more and more aligned to where the things that God would want and and ask for commands in the Bible become the things that we want. Richard Foster in a, a um, pivotal book on the spiritual disciplines, which prayer is considered a spiritual discipline. He says, the book is called Celebration of Discipline. Great, great book. He says, prayer is thinking God's thoughts after him. You're, you know, the idea of great minds think alike. Well, same kind of concept. Our mind, our will, our desires, and God's desires start to line up. As we mature, our will and desire for God's will is for God's will to manifest itself, to come true. It's a fruit of being more Christ-like. And, and he prayed, Jesus prayed for God's will, even when it meant suffering for him, even when it ultimately meant death for him. He still wanted God's will over his own. That was the, the tightness of the relationship, the way that Jesus' will and God the Father's will lined up so much. And as that transformation happens, praying persistently or praying expectantly Praying regularly, it's not a task. It's not a chore. It's not even a discipline. You know, I, I used that phrase earlier that prayer is considered a spiritual discipline, something that we do regularly. It just becomes a part of who we are, like breathing. That's when we can pray, as Paul tells us to in uh, First in First Thessalonians five seventeen, when we start to pray unceasingly, when everything about what we do is bathed in prayer. And we get to see just what good gifts God has for those who ask him. So this week, here's my my next steps for you. Wherever it is that you are as far as practicing this idea of of prayer, of talking to God, even if you're at the point where it would be like your your first-time prayer, like God, maybe long-time listener, first-time caller, you know, give it a try. Just to say, God, let me know you're there. God, let me know you're there. If we just make that prayer a regular thing, even just starting out there, and we'll start to see the answer to that prayer. We'll start to see God display who he is. Maybe it's in somebody giving us, um, giving us a wave, or we get a phone call from a friend that we hadn't talked to in a while. I'd say smile, but you know, if we're still wearing masks as you are seeing this, then, um, you know, that's a little tough. Uh, welcome to the sign of our times. But God will find a creative way to answer that prayer, to let you know that, the, that God is there. God is listening and God is answering. Let's pray together. God, thank you for being willing to hear our prayers, for being willing to have that relationship with us. That says, come, ask, seek, knock, look for me. Tell me what you need. Tell me what you desire. Help us to grow in that relationship with you. To have the courage to come before you. To have the courage to pray. 
to have the courage to ask and, and seek and knock after you. Help us to do it all to your glory and for our joy and abundant life. Amen.